This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from, with new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Welcome back to Shrink Chicks. Welcome back to Shrink Chicks. It's been so long. It has been long. And that's probably because we've both been slowly going in between a spiral of depression right. and, and anxiety. <laughs> and then also just be functioning sometimes, that are busy. Sometimes that makes it hard to it's, hop on a podcast. It does make it hard. So our deepest apologies. But you know what? You got to take care of yourself. You do. You have to take care of yourself. And that's something that, because we've talked about this before, that like my anxiety totally manifests and like one anger but also over productivity so like ever when quarantine happened i was like how productive can i be mm. while also simultaneously saying to my clients rest is productivity and not listening to my own advice so in the beginning of may i actually slowed shit down mainly because my therapist told me that i needed to slow this shit down see i had the opposite reaction to quarantine you i was go, like yeah. this is my chance this is well you're such an introvert i'm so introverted to mm-hmm. turn inward watch tv and have a good excuse for it and so it worked out until until right now where i'm in a <laughs> spiral of depression like it is time i yeah. need to see people again i need to see clients in yes. office speaking of we're opening our office back up oh we are we're, so it's and it's like this whole process right like so oh for anyone God. who's starting to go back to work it's this whole thing about like following the cdc guidelines and doing the regulations but then also the uniqueness of like a therapy room and like the fact that one mass can bring up people's past trauma right it can struggle with a body language and right comfortableness. you can't read like part, yes. part of the thing that's really helpful about being in person with clients it's is body reading body and, language yes. and like your facial expressions are mm-hmm. so essential yes to that and I think that I mean you can read it a little bit through virtual but there's like some sort of blockage yeah yeah so and if if people were to wear masks in therapy hard. it's really really Although hard I have seen the, have you seen um like the masks that have the like plastic um clear thing yeah especially like people that use like American Sign Language it kind of yeah, and read lips it yeah they kind of this. it looks like a mask you would wear to like chop down trees or something Okay, well, so you're talking about the shields. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what shield, are you oh, talking about? Oh, so it's just masks that have, like, a clear block for lip reading. But are they, like, really the funny. same material? One of my best friends, Brielle, um, is a speech-language pathologist. And, oh. sh- and so she does some signing and a whole different stuff of helping um, kids, specifically um, people with autism, with speech. And they have to wear clear shields when they go wow. back to work Wait, in so I don't know what you're talking about with the... I'll show you a picture Matt, later. please. Okay, I will. I just can't even picture it. It's it's the mask that you had on this morning when you went to get coffee, but clear, but clear, so like might look, look like a, like a condom. Okay, I- <laughs> what <laughs> Like what kind of material is it? <laughs> like a clear. So like you're talking about a dental dam. <laughs> 
you're talking dental about dental dam. If you want to have like a whole, the 70s. If you want to have a whole, people still use dental dams, do they? Yes, absolutely for oral sex. If oh they yeah, yeah, be, yeah, yes, yes, totally, right? totally. There's lots of dental dams. I that think are still I, happening. yeah, I think I've seen an old dental dam, and now that I think is, you're talking of a diaphragm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And believe it or not, this episode is not about this sex. This is not easy to do with this. I have no idea what this <laughs> But hope you're all doing better than we are. Listen, we're trying to bring you some entertainment. Trying this to bring is, yeah, ourselves some entertainment. So here we are. But we're doing... Today yeah. we're doing Q&A. This is... We said we're going to do a monthly Q&A because the amount of questions we get is just we can't do them all. So we're now going to devote one episode a month to doing anything you guys ask. And as our also monthly reminder... This is not therapy. We do not know. We cannot give you tailored advice. We can just give you based on what we would do and what some of our recommendations would be. We don't know your full past. We don't know your full information. And if anything comes up, that's a great reason to see a therapist. Therapy. We love therapy. Bum, ba, na, 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 na. Okay. Um, and also, these questions are very short, right? So, like, we short. only we get, like, a details, little yeah. clip of what you're asking us. So, And we don't edit these down. This is literally what was written down. Right. And right? so, we might be assuming some of these parts. So, just bear with us. Yeah, our right? bad Because assuming makes, makes an, an ass, ass of you and me. Right. I don't ever know if I belong that. I believe that. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, when you assume someone's pronouns. That's a good one. That's a bit asinine. I think there's certain instances, right? It's nothing... I think that you could apply it in certain cases and apply it and not apply it in other cases. Like anything we talk about. Like I assume you're a ding dong if you refuse to wear a mask into a store because people mm. are literally dying of a deadly virus. Doesn't that seem like a valid assumption for me? You know what? Ding dong is an amazing <laughs> thing to call people. It's like kind of silly. So like it's not really that hurtful. <laughs> but I, I still believe... The sentiment, which is wear your mask, people. Wear your mask. It's still in green phase or not. Let's let's take, ding dong. Let's, let's take care of everyone. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's let's get, get the, into it. I'm sorry. We're just shooting the shit. We're just shooting the shit. All right. Today, June 25th, Q&A. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. First question we got in. What was the hardest transition of moving in with your boyfriend for the first time? Any tips? Everything. Oh, God. I thought everything. I went from living by myself for three years, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Just yes, three you years did. living by myself. And then my boyfriend moved in. Who lived, who lived um, in Pittsburgh. So in a completely different place. He lives in Pittsburgh. I lived in Philadelphia. We were in grad school. He was in grad school at Pittsburgh. I was in Philly. It, everything was hard about it. I think... I, think, <laughs> I thought. Uh, yeah. And I think it's different for different people. Like, I think one of the hardest things was the understanding that your relationship in general changes a little bit. It does. And you know what's so funny? I remember hearing this really great advice from one of our old supervisors, which was people talk a ton about, like, sex disappears with marriage, but that's actually based on past information that people lived together for the first time when they were married. Right. So really, sex can... It usually does diminish when you diminish move in when together. you move in together. And but pe people get so confused about that because they think it's going to happen when they're married. But really, it's just because all of us, most of us, not all of us, a lot of people now live move with in their partner first. first, and that's when. And a lot of that has to do with like you think because you're spending all this quantity of time together, it's still quality of time, which really isn't accurate. So I think the hardest part is one expectations that I, that you put on your partner, mm -hmm. like expectations of who's going to do what and what's going to keep clean and. Who is going to move what stuff yes. in? For me, it was a little different because my boyfriend at the time, my now husband, moved and first, and he was the first guy I ever lived with. Yes. I lived by myself yep. for so long. So that was really hard for me to share space because I went from living by myself to living with someone else. Yes. That's a really hard transition. Um, yeah, everything was hard. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, her so eyes just rolled into the back of her head. <laughs> everything was really Everything hard. was difficult. Uh, you know what? And I think, too, the, you know, if we're going to talk about expectations, that there's a thought if you spend more time, like, oh, you're going to have so much 
access to sex now right you see each other all the time that means you're gonna want to have sex all the time but if you think about it in this way like if someone told you you could have pizza all of the time eventually you'd be like I don't really feel like having pizza I could have it tomorrow if I really want to Uh right so like it's so available to you and there's something about when things are less available to us we want it more there's also less mystery when you're living with someone yes like you see them yeah I mean so like in the bathroom so like so when me and my boyfriend moved in together we remember how tiny that apartment was I lived Wait, in which the, one was it? The one in Center City, right near Tria, 12th and Spruce. Oh my God, yeah. I moved the, into, oh Aaron yeah. and I moved into the oh world's God, smallest it was apartment. so small. I mean, I'm not kidding. It, it, it was a, essentially a studio, but we were I trying don't know to how save. You did it was that. horrible. We lived there for two years because we were trying to save money to buy a house, which we did. Smart. But it was a horrible experience. <laughs> one bathroom, <laughs> stress diarrhea. I mean, just not an <laughs> ideal situation. Immediate stress diarrhea. Immediate stress diarrhea. Stress <laughs> diarrhea. So, right. So, like, having, like, there is a loss of this mystery. And then all the stuff that plays into, like, sexuality. So, I would say that. So, I think the expectation that it should be fun all the time or it should be sexual all the time or it should be this or it should be that, like, that is really hard. So, I would say, like, the best tip is, of course, we're therapists. So, we're going to say this. Communication. Yes. Right? So, communicating what's our roles and what's the assumptions here. And then also, I would say genuinely trying. <laughs> trying... And not thinking it's just going to work just because you love each other. That's I, not really how life happens. I, and I also think that like. I, I want to hear yours. Oh, I'll tell you mine. But just to, pig, <laughs> just to piggyback. Remember when people used to say that in grad school? Just, I'm going to piggyback off of you real quick. Um, Which was just a politically correct circle jerk of the men of, in our class. Right. Like people talking <laughs> yes. about shit. Um, but I think too knowing that like. It takes time to figure out ways in which to communicate with each other. Like it's not just going to come naturally and it's yes. not going to come immediately. That it's okay for it to take time and it's okay for the two of you to sit down and talk about the process of your communication. Absolutely. To really sit down and say, okay, you know, when I when when you leave the dishes there, I feel this and so I get angry and is there a different way that I can communicate my feelings to you or communicate? So talking about the process of communicate meta communication. I like that. It's good, right? You love meta everything. I love meta everything. Yeah. Um, meta thinking um I, I think is so essential. Anyone else feeling like the mental load of making dinner, the planning, the shopping, the prep, figuring out the timing? It's a little heavy to carry, huh? Same. That's why I am so grateful for Hungry Root. The food quality, simple recipes, true tastiness, and delivery right to my door is truly a game changer. When getting started, you take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root will get to know you, what you like to eat, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to use. So you can sit back, relax, and offload the many steps of meal planning. Each order is fully customizable so you can take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high quality meat and seafood, healthy snacks, smoothies, sweets, ready meals, kids snacks and meals, vitamins, supplements, much more. My favorite item from my latest box was the honey citrus chopped salad, lemon pepper chicken and the four cheese tortellini. You gotta try it for yourself. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's gotta taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. Did you know that billions of plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles end up in landfills every year? I used to contribute to that waste, constantly buying single-use plastic cleaning products without giving it much thought. But then I discovered Blue Land, and it has been a game changer. Blue Land has helped me eliminate the need for single-use plastic and the products I reach for the most. They are reinventing cleaning essentials. Their approach is simple yet revolutionary. Refillable cleaning products with a sleek design that not only looks great on your counter, but also reduces plastic waste significantly. What I love most is the convenience. With Blueland, I never worry about running out of cleaning supplies or lugging bulky bottles from the store. From hand soap to toilet bowl cleaner to laundry tablets that each smell incredible, all Blueland products are made with clean ingredients you can feel good about. I was blown away when I received my first Blueland order. I immediately filled the bottles with water and their tablets, which was so easy to try everything out. And the ingredients are clean, the scents are refreshing, and the packaging is just so cute. Blueland is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine. If you 
you're ready to make a positive change for the planet without sacrificing cleanliness or convenience, Blueland has you covered. Blueland has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash shrinkchicks. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash shrinkchicks for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash shrinkchicks to get 15% off. And so... I think one of the hardest things for me is I was moving into my boyfriend's place that he already so owned. much yeah and so I was moving into his space and I think that that in itself was hard for the both of us yeah what'd you do about furniture I can't remember this so he actually yeah. bought his place two weeks before we met oh so he didn't have a ton of stuff no, but but I mean I didn't move in for another year. But and you went from you had two roommates. I had I had oh, one, one roommate before, before you went from two before, roommates to yes. one. Okay, yes, and yeah. which was fine. Um, but love you, Jamie. Oh, she's the best. <laughs> but I think that was a hard trip. I was like her pseudo boyfriend. Yes, yeah, that was hard. So she probably felt like I was cheating on her. So I apologize. We love you. Um, <laughs> um. So anyway, I think that moving into his space was difficult. Um, he had just bought it, and so I kind of wanted to make it my own. It was kind of his. I wouldn't have necessarily chosen that place. Um, So I think that was hard. He's also very clean. I'm like slightly clean, but he's like real clean. Clean to another. I know we've talked about this You're messy with clothes. It's changed. No, but like I'm saying like when at that time. At the time. Which like I had things. Don't you think most females are? Yes. I had things to change Like right? Like when you. Like everyone has that chair in their room that's literally just used Embarrassingly enough, that's my Peloton. Mm. (laughs) Holds all your clothes. It's like a clothes rack. The most expensive clothes rack. It really is. No, but like for sure, right? And like that's like the hardest thing is like we have these little things that we do that don't bother us. Yeah. And they aren't that big of a deal, but sometimes they can like genuinely like frustrate us. And I think too that like. I'll tell you what my husband's is. I I have one thing I do that he wants to kill me all Can the you time. tell me? Okay, so my husband, so my husband grew up with his three siblings. Yeah. He's one of four. They had one bathroom. And, like, he always felt like every time he walked into the bathroom, somebody had just showered, right? Six people, one bathroom. Um, Somebody had just showered, and his socks would always get wet. So he's, like, <laughs> super crazy about his socks being wet. So That's a I, terrible feeling. It's it's a terrible feeling. I don't know. Don't wear socks in the house. Don't wear socks in the bathroom. Yeah, I was just going to say, just say. put your socks on before you so, leave. So, okay. So, like, my <laughs> husband is, like, crazy about if there's, like, water, like, in the bathroom, which my I have super, super long, thick hair. So everything's always wet in our bathroom. Of like course. it's essentially like a dog went in and <laughs> shook everything, and like that's what our master bathroom looks like. That is how I imagine um, you like drying yourself <laughs> off a little bit. Crazy hair, you've seen it. Like so, like that drives him nuts. Like he, what will, genuinely, he, what will he do? Like how? Oh, Emily, my socks are wet. <laughs> You need like. to get him water, morning, waterproof socks. I think that's a thing. I mean, so now I put a towel down on the floor before I get so out. Sweet. You're so thoughtful. Yeah, so for then he's always like, you're using my towel on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always doing something. There's wrong. always something, right? Yes. And that's what I mean, right? So there's always like this little thing. And here's the thing. For the most part, those little things don't bother us unless we're disconnected. Yes. That little shit doesn't bother us. You don't care about the wet floor. You don't care about the clothes out unless there's something deeper going on. And whether it's in your relationship or whether it's just for you personally, right? Yes. Like if Aaron's more stressed out at work. Then he's going to get so much it's more. Gonna, right. Yes. It's going to bother him more. Absolutely. And so to also recognize that, that like if your partner is having a stronger reaction to things. There's some, probably something deeper. There's probably on. something deeper going on right. with them. And the thing is, if you react back, it's just going to make it more difficult. Absolutely. Well, that's the spiral, right? As opposed to saying to them, hey, I know, you know, I know you prefer it when I hang up on my clothes. I happened to be busy this morning and didn't think to do it. But you seem really upset about this. Is there anything else going on you want to talk to me about? Right. And like inviting it in the right. conversation. And they might say no. And that's fine. But at least you responded yes. in the way that's helpful in a for the communication. Yes. Exactly. So I think that just being patient with your process, it's going to take time. Also, I moved in with my boyfriend after one year of dating, which was like very soon. Yeah. So and I, I think a lot of people do that. 
you well, when you're in your 30s i think right. yeah when and, you're in your and, 30s and 40s that's like normal and i think when you hit one year so aaron really, and i have been together probably like seven exactly years exactly together, yeah. so like you've seen all the ins and outs like it was i think our relationship was still building and that like when you move in together mm-hmm. it pushes your relationship to like a different level absolutely and so you have to be okay with the fact that it's transitioning it's not a signifier of your relationship in general that your relationship is changing. I think people struggle when when they leave the honeymoon phase in their relationship. Yeah. That transition, I think, is really, really hard for people. I also just... Don't you think so many of us have, like, myths about what, uh, like, long-term Relation- relationships look like? Yes. Oh, my God. I could, right. We could go on. Yes, I could go on about, like, I, just the myths I hear about. Them. Well, this I should be easy. Well, I think movies and, and, really, like, fucked well, us up. And I hear this all the time about sex. Sex should just work and sex should be easy. Yeah, no. But sex is so much more complicated than just two people having sex with each other's bodies, right? Yeah. Like, and so I think we have a lot of myths. And I think that's important to think about, like, what are my expectations? Or what am I thinking this is going to happen? And, like, what's the reality? And the reality doesn't mean it's bad. It's just different. And then we have to sort of negotiate and figure out what that's going to look like. Right, it's not going to be perfect. And so we actually okay. give this person tips. Yeah, we did. Right, <laughs> check your expectations. Right, check your expectations. Um, respond and don't react yeah. when you see that your partner's struggling with something. Put a towel on the floor if they don't like their socks getting wet. That counts as a tip, right? I think that's something. That's valid. Okay. Okay. All, All right. right. That is on to the next one. We hope we helped. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Tips for dealing with toxic coworkers. I feel like we've answered this one in a past one in like a different way because yeah. I think a lot of people struggle with it. I this. think so many people, right? Because it's not just like about like coworkers, it's about friends, it's about right. And like so once again, the the person isn't necessarily toxic, but maybe their communication style. And maybe they're going through something personally that's, Absolutely. that's creating some sort of reactivity yeah. in them. Now coworkers is different because um we have a belief about what those relationships should look like. Yes. We do not Expectations have to, again. We do not have to be best friends with our coworkers. Yes. This is hard, especially if we're in an environment or a job that's like, we're just like family. I.e., if you've watched The Office, what Michael Scott does. <laughs> Michael Scott's obsessed with them having no boundaries, with all everyone being family. That ends up being toxic. And it's also um it is also incredibly unfair to put that on your employees. Your job is a job. Right. That's it. It's 40 hours. That doesn't have to be your identity. You don't always have to be nice. You don't have to go to all those um, happy hours or fucking Zoom happy hours. To me, that's the dumbest thing that's ever happened. Enjoy yourselves, people. (laughs) I can't really understand that one. Um, But like, so I think that one is say like, what can this relationship look like? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, I do not have to be their best friends. I do not have to love everyone that I work with. I just have to find some way to be civil and have a relationship. I think I think the thing that might be tough about that too is that like when you're in your 30s, there's not a lot of places to like meet people or like meet friends, mm-hmm. right? So, so there's so much there's almost pressure pressure to be like this is my environment, you know, because a lot of yes. people have like coworker friends, and that's great. Which but is not wonderful. every environment is like that. Not but every think, coworker is like a safe person for us. And so maybe also asking yourself like. Am I looking for those relationships? Yeah. In, and is are there other ways to find it besides Absolutely. work? Am I trying to make this relationship work because I want something to work? Right. I want something closer. And so here's the thing is that like you won't get along with any everyone at work. Oh, God, no. There will. Oh, God, no. Oh, God, no. <laughs> like a No, God, no. Hello. And so to just know that that's okay. And so I think that once again we need to give tips for people (laughs) setting boundaries setting emotional boundaries for yourself to know like it's okay for me to respond to this person in a very business-like manner yeah and to not take it personally right well and also in some of those boundaries is like if you do not feel it is appropriate the way someone is talking to you you are allowed to say that yes you are allowed to say like it really sounds like we're having some difficulty communicating. Why don't we bring HR? Why don't we bring another team member in? Yes. Right? Because sometimes you're going to need that. I also think it makes it more professional and puts it back into it. Yes. Sometimes people use, we just talked about this, people pleasing as manipulation. Oof. Oof. This is not what we have to do. Some of us have learned, and this is, we've talked about this before, like, You've often probably heard of like trauma responses of fight and flight. But the ones that most commonly aren't talked about is freezing and fawning, right? And so sometimes what we'll do is fawning, which is like we're overly nice, we're over accommodating. That will always lead to anger, which always leads to guilt. And I can't even tell you the amount of time women talk to me about the guilt that they're feeling. This is the number one emotion I hear from so many women. I think that when 
in certain relationships too it's almost like in you know when you were like in high school right and there was like that bitchy mean girl and like even though they would be bitchy you would like still try to please them in some way right so like it's coming from this anxiety of like I want them to respond to me in this positive way Mm -hmm. and so I'm going to keep trying to please them right but then you end up building resentment in that relationship because you're being hurt in the end and a lot of us learn this if we grew up with parents that weren't super healthy yes Right. So I think like what you can ask yourself is like, all right, so even if I have this toxic or asshole coworker, what's my part in it? And where did I learn to put up with this from? Where and also what's it bringing up for me? Absolutely. Right. So like you might have a toxic coworker, toxic friend, and it could affect everyone in different ways. Like, is it bringing up any sort of trauma from your childhood? Right. Are you reacting in a certain way? Mm-hmm. Um, and there are your tips. There you go. Okay, somebody asked the difference between stress and trauma. This is a tough one because I'm uh, like, they're connected. We can have stress from trauma. You can have stress from trauma, but. And there's like, and there's like, we talk about trauma with a big T and little T, right? So like, we can have, I mean, like, frankly, like, okay, trauma with a big T, racial trauma. Oh, yeah. Right? We are talking about 400 years of oppression that people are going through. That is big T trauma. Now, for a lot of us, also COVID was little t trauma. Yes. Feeling isolated, overwhelmed, fear of the future, uncertainty. So these, these different types of trauma both can lead to a ton of stress. I'm wondering what this person is asking about is, am I feeling this because of my past trauma or because of my current stress? Right. And if that's what you're asking, but I think that's really important to then sit with a therapist for your unique situation to talk through. Because... Our past trauma can create present stress. It could be both. Absolutely. So these things go together. So I don't know if it's necessarily a difference between that's or when how we don't, they work together. And that's one we, we don't necessarily want to assume because that could yeah. be so much deeper. Absolutely. Next one, how to express your emotions to your therapist when you don't really know how you're feeling? This is a really good question. Wait, because this, I, you know what's so great about this question? Yeah. Because we also get other questions. We do like every Sunday, uh, and for any listeners who don't know, every Sunday we do uh, also a Q&A on our Instagram page. Um, and I think this really goes into, so often people say like, how do I express to my therapist about self-harm? Or how do I do this? The thing is, you guys all do it so amazingly just by writing it in. Yeah, and you know what? We're... Your therapist is trained in in all yes. of these different topics, right? Like there is nothing that we no. haven't heard. I have a lot of clients that will say, "Oh, and this is going to." And if your therapist is going to sound so stupid, and You're I'm like, like no. "No, it actually but never does." But if your does. therapist does make you feel othered or gaslights you or um, minimizes something, it's time for a new therapist. That's or you it. just I don't feel safe with yes, them in exactly. general. Yes, exactly. That I would say, like yeah. be judged or something. Time for a little switcheroo. So, but I think this is a good question because I think it is hard to figure out, like a lot of, for a lot of people, it's hard to figure out what you're feeling. And mm-hmm. so I think one of the things to really think about is how are you feeling it physically? Because mm. sometimes you can feel anxiety, you can feel it in your chest, you can feel depression in your chest, in your stomach, mm-hmm. to really describe it in that way. And and believe it or not, there are feelings charts out there. Well, I was to say, like the feelings wheel is a really great one. And actually, we can post this on our Instagram page. Feelings chart. Yes, wheel. yeah, the feelings wheel Whatever. is like a really, like, it, it's all these different colors and it's all these different types. And we will post it on our Instagram page so people can check it out. And it might be helpful to actually bring it into session. And you can also cross off the things you don't feel. Like, I know I don't feel anger or I know I don't feel this or I know I don't feel that. And you can sort of do process of elimination. Sometimes, like, I've often heard people say before, anxiety is the opposite of feelings. So sometimes when we feel anxiety, we struggle to access our other emotions. Mm-hmm. because like we're, it's like the top layer. Exactly, because we're more comfortable. It's, it's that tip of the iceberg thing, but there's all this shit underneath. So I think sometimes slowing it down, and another great thing is to say, when have I felt this feeling before? Right. I can't label this feeling, but is there another time in my life I've felt this? And it's okay for you to fe- be feeling multiple feelings at once. Also, it's very normal to not know what you're feeling. Like, it's very natural. A lot of us haven't been given the vocabulary, especially a lot of men, because um, it's not really, it just didn't necessarily feel socially acceptable for them to be expressing their emotions in a more vulnerable way. So um, it's, it's something that is very natural. No one really taught us. I think in education today, kids are being taught more how to name their feelings. Um, but no one really taught us what we were feeling, what to put, how to put names to it. So it's okay if you're having trouble doing it. And it's also okay to be feeling multiple emotions at once. Mm. 
And the other thing you get to now do is say, hey, I heard this question on a podcast of how do you talk to her? And you get to bring that to your therapist and say, I realize sometimes I struggle talking about my feelings to you. Like, you I, can use this. I always say, you know, other even, people, even use with, other my people. Clients, yeah. with my clients, I'm like, why don't you use therapy as a way to open up the conversation, yes. right? I was talking to my therapist. This is something you can use. I was talking to my therapist. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about this, this, and this. Yeah. And what now you could say, I've heard this? it on a podcast. I heard this on a podcast. It made me think about this, yes. right? And that it's okay to even bring up the process of therapy to mm. your therapist, yeah. right? Like to even say to your therapist, I have trouble bringing things up sometimes. Yeah. It's important to remember that a lot of the therapeutic work you do, it doesn't necessarily happen in the room. I often, <laughs> I often have, I was just saying that Jen, and Nikki, our wonderful manager this morning, about this realization I had in my own supervision this week and said, oh, now I have to go process this in therapy tomorrow, right? So it's really normal to have something happen outside of session and then bring it back into the therapy room. It's 50 minutes, guys. It, that's a really short period of time. It's about which often you're doing outside of the room and then you're processing it together and your therapist helps you sort through that. Yes. All right. Advice for changing careers. I'm currently, I'm currently a nurse. nurse and hate it but want to do finance slash business what would your husband say about this <sighs> your husband hated being a nurse it wasn't his favorite it wasn't his favorite but no. so, but so many nurses love it absolutely right? that but it's it's to each his it's, own yes yeah, right and but okay like the same thing like some some therapists are like this is not for me sometimes you get into a career and then you're like this is just not what i thought it was going to be or it's just not for me or i have changed and it doesn't fit and anymore. sometimes sometimes the only way to figure out what you want to do is, is to it. do something you don't want to yeah, do absolutely. right so i think that when a lot of people ask these questions there's a fear of making a mistake right like oh i made this mistake of yeah. like then i went into this is this new um business and i'm not happy in it but sometimes we have to make those mistakes in order to figure out what we do want and um, well, there's to mention all the stuff you have learned in your nursing career could help you in your finance business career, right? Help you with connecting with people. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And you know what? Being a nurse is a very, I respect nurses oh my so God. much. They do everything. They do very everything. Credit. And so, and they're getting credit now because of COVID, Thank which God. is wonderful, but they always deserve credit. They, they really should get more money. They should get more money. We they deserve giving them claps and start giving them percent. <laughs> they do so much. And like, you really, really, res- I really respect what they do. But um, think about how much you have done dealt with as a nurse right like how much you've been through and to know that you can take the that strength that you've built Mm -hmm. in doing that and bring it into whatever you're going to go into next and and this no matter what we could give you all the advice in the world this is going to be an anxiety provoking experience to make this transition and there's so much fear surrounding it right like fear what will other people think or will this be able to work like financially will i I be able to exactly and that's a huge one to think about financially what kind of support do i have here and what can i do like can i take a break and go to school full-time can i only do night classes can i only do online like it's well the good the good thing about being a nurse too is that you can do like per diem work you could do part-time work so you can start to if you're going to start your own business if you're going to do something part-time somewhere else there's a way to transition Mm -hmm. um if you're worried about money to another career it's just i mean that would be a shit ton of work you're probably going to be real burnout but there's a way to do it sometimes there's a way to do it right and so so of course it's anxiety provoking um but we support you you have if you are so burnt out being a nurse it's time for a switch. it's time for a switch yeah it's just gonna take some time um okay Tips and tricks for communicating people who stonewall you. So first, let's talk about stonewalling is. So what they're talking about is this idea of stonewalling, which comes from, if you don't know about the Gottman Institute, give it a quick Google. It's really phenomenal. Um, so John and Julie Gottman, a married couple who have this, like, they they do a ton of training and you can become, like, a Gottman certified person. Um, and they do a bunch of research. So they did all this research on what predicts divorce. And the things they came up with are these four horsemen of the apocalypse they call it the four horsemen of the apocalypse and it is the four things that can predict a relationship failure and one of those is we'll go through the other ones but we'll tell you what stonewalling is so the first stonewalling apparently is the worst it's the worst one they're saying this is the most difficult one and this doesn't just happen in romantic relationships this can happen in any relationship right so uh, the first one they talk about is uh, criticism really attacking your partner's personality or like character content 
attacking your partner's sense of self with an intention to insult or psychologically abuse them. And then defensiveness. Come on, y'all know what this one is. So it's seeing yourself as the victim and efforts to ward off and perceive attacks and reverse the blame. And finally, stonewalling, which is what this question is asking about. Withdrawing from the relationship as a way to avoid conflict and efforts to convey disapproval distance and separation so it's pretty much when some when if you're trying to talk to someone they're completely um putting a wall up they're not answering you or they're so giving you very little response so let's say like you're trying to have a conversation and someone just says to you well i guess agree to disagree agree to disagree agree to disagree right that isn't it's, that's stonewall yeah that's i refuse to have this conversation so a really great thing to do is to think about like a great way to diffuse this is by taking a little bit of responsibility, actually, which seems kind of fucked up, but go with me here. So it's so it's so it would be saying to someone like, wow, it seems like something I said is really causing you to shut down in this conversation. Do you want to take a break and revisit this later? Or you could to do help me understand what happened. And that is annoying, because especially when someone's treating you kind of shitty, the last thing you want to do is take some responsibility. But we do. Something about whatever's happening in this communication we provoked on someone. And you have to think about you have to think about what control do you have in the relationship, right? You can't force someone to stop stonewalling you. No. But you can communicate in a way that is approaching it with a soft startup, which we talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. Um um, and, and not having a strong, intense reaction to it because that might push them to stonewall you even more. Um, and to also think about, I mean, depending on who the relation, what the relationship, if it's a toxic coworker, right? Or if it's a friendship or to think about if they continue to stonewall, if you've tried to communicate, like, is this something, a relationship that you want to continue pursuing, mm-hmm. right? And so that's why, you know, the Gottman say that stonewalling is part of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, that it leads leads to a failure in relationships is that over time you're going to feel very isolated if yeah. that communication doesn't work. A really fun fact about me that you might not know is that if I let my hair dry natural, it is a frizzball mess, which is one of the many reasons I absolutely love pros. I truly never thought that I would be able to embrace my natural hair texture. Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo, plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil, keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair cut or went to the salon, which is, of course, the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you, it's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty-free and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I used this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post-construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source is something that Pros takes into consideration with their customization. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash chicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash chicks. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash chicks. I am thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on the accessories. Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. Um... So yeah, approaching it with a soft startup, addressing what you might have mm-hmm. done, um, and recognizing that you don't necessarily have control over whether they stonewall you or not. Um, here's a question we get a ton. How to overcome self-image issues, um, especially with my wedding coming up in August. So we get um, body image questions a All ton. All the time. And it's a really unique thing. So there's a few things to think about. If you are in recovery from disordered eating or eating disorder, um, but I always say body image is the last thing to return. It's what comes last. It does not start. You don't start with body image recovery. You start with eating recovery. And so... This is really common. The other thing to think about is the best way to start with it is body neutrality. It's my body is just a body. I don't have to love it and I don't have to hate it. It just is. Now, if you are obsessively weighing yourself or trying on a wedding dress or something, that's going to lead to like a lot of body checking, Mm -hmm. which can drive you nuts. It's going to exhaust you and it's going to make it so um, obsessive, the ideas around your body. A body has to just be a body. I think with wedding stuff too, like we, we have all these images. Now we have like Pinterest and oh, Instagram God, yeah. and sweating um, for the wedding hashtag. Sweating yeah. for the wedding. I like there's such an expectation about what you should be looking like at your wedding. And you're looking at all these images of these models in these wedding dresses. And it's so much pressure to put on yourself when you're getting married that yeah. like you need to look like this model when like, no, you need to look like yourself. And you need to be yourself that it's more about the marriage than it is about the wedding. And we end up putting so much pressure on on the wedding itself and about how we're going to look. And so to look at the bigger perspective too and to check your expectations about Mm -hmm. what you should be looking like on your wedding day. I think there's also, it's like important to remember that 95% of diets don't work. So when we become obsessed with this, it, we're also, we can't have a conversation about body image without having a conversation about diet culture and the idea around diet culture, which is you will be happier when you look a certain way, which is simply not true. And that is how diet culture is a multi-billion dollar industry, which will always get you to buy into it. Oh yeah. Because it's promising you something that's not real. Once you weigh this, once your abs look like this, once you're fit into that perfect wedding dress, it's a lie and it's done to sell you stuff (laughs) oh yeah even when when my wedding was coming up I was thinking like maybe I should work out more maybe I should like go to the gym and then I tried it and I was just like no that's not for you right not for me you're someone who has a ton of body neutrality actually yes tons right like in general you're a very body neutral person totally you are not someone who you have like actually probably some of the healthiest self-esteem i've ever seen because you you don't have um my my uh, honestly like really wasn't in my family yeah it was just like it was very neutral no one really talked about their bodies at all which was very Mm -hmm. helpful for me but yeah and i don't and you're pretty naturally thin so right so there's like which is the privilege of it all too right and but um just in general, I eat what I want, mm-hmm. and you know, I don't really—it's not a thing that I don't weigh been, myself. Yeah. Like, it's just not a thing. Yeah. Um, and Which so, mine's really different. I've had eating issues my entire life, and so body image my did, whole life. When yeah. you, when your wedding was coming up, did that? Did it bring up anything for you? Oh my god! Of course, the entire time. Yeah. Yeah, the like it's a very thing, yeah. common thing to happen. I remember. I can remember the day of my wedding. Um, like before we did like a first look, right? So you do the first look and then yes. we went back um upstairs before the ceremony happened. And I remember that the caterer had brought up like like snacks, like it was like hummus and fucking pita or some yeah. shit. And I remember eating it and feeling like, Oh, I shouldn't eat a car before I walk down the aisle. Oh, wow. Like, oh my god, like that is insane. Of wow. course you should eat food. But I can remember even no matter how much work I've done, there's still these automatic negative thoughts that can come with body image of what you should or shouldn't do. Yes. And that is what has come from diet culture. Were you able to question it in those moments or like recognize it? I mean, I think I still ate the pita and I didn't like think about it really until later because I was like already anxious about other stuff. 
Um, and Jen was, you know, having an allergy attack. <laughs> Jen was so sick I could in my not wedding. Breathe. Jen was so sick. My oh my god! And then I wedding. took like a Ben. Someone brought me a Benadryl or something. Oh my god! And I you was were like so dead. ill. <laughs> So bad. She had some I, horrible. Yeah, I don't horrible. know what it was. Yeah, the pollen must have been real bad that day. Like my allergies are so. But you have been sick from like a wedding before or something. I can't remember. Like, I so, yeah, I, like honestly, was sick my I have wedding. not had yeah. allergies that bad in forever. And like during the ceremony, I was trying not to cough. I was. I'd be like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like I sounded like I had a problem because I was standing up there. Yes. And uh, it was such a beautiful ceremony, and it was outside. It oh was my god! Just it was like gorgeous. in the woods. It yeah, was I mean, it was gorgeous. It was pollen, but like though. something yeah. was attacking me. Oh my god. <laughs> so funny so yeah so i would say so, so for overcoming that self-image is it's go with body neutrality your body is a body and guess what your fiance knows what your body looks like That's and loves thing. you and everyone in your life knows what your body looks like no one's gonna be surprised right. you know like that's the thing I like always remind women especially like after like um giving birth like this is like a big thing of body image right like your partner knows what your body looks like yeah they've seen it yes they're okay with it right like we're the ones who have the shame around it and so by having body neutrality around it we don't have to love it we don't have to hate it it's just a body that's it do you think that too when you focus externally of like oh what are people going to think about me what are be you know to really focus inward and say like well well, what am I thinking about me the reality is is what anyone says I want to lose weight what they're actually saying is I want to be loved I want to be secure I want to be safe I want to be accepted that's it it's never about losing weight. Yes. It's about wanting people to see them as a person. Because the reality is, is we live in a fat phobic society that treats people based on their weight as less than. So most of us just want to be loved. So weight loss is about security and safety mm-hmm. and love. And so how do you love yourself, love your exactly. body for exactly what it yes. is? And so that starts with body neutrality. Mm-hmm. And it can also start with just standing in the mirror and actually looking at it. Mm-hmm. And not looking at it, thinking about all the things you want to change about it, but just how it is right now with nothing else different. All right. That was deep. Next one. That was deep. Yeah. Really- how to balance how to balance leaning on family or a friend to talk, but not overdoing it. Oh, such a good one. Ask permission. Ask permission. Also, this is a great one. Really yeah. good one. And I think that, listen, be very open with your friends and family. You can say to them, hey... Is this too much? Is this too much for you? And if it is, it's okay. Like, you're allowed to tell me. Mm -hmm. Um, Recognize the balance in your relationships. Like, are you kind of dumping on them and not asking them how they're doing, right? So, like, make it a – to really make it a conscious point to ask them about them, too. Well, I think also, like, give the other person the permission to – or grant other person the – not permission, sorry, the opportunity whether they get to say yes or no. If you just isolate yourself and don't go towards your friends and family, you're also taking away an opportunity for connection. So a great thing to say is like, hey, I'm going through some stuff right now. Not sure what's going on with you, but are you in a space for us to talk today? Yes. For me to use you as some support. They are allowed to say yes or no to that. And if they say no, it it might hurt, but it's not personal. It's not personal to you that they might be going through something themselves and Mm -hmm. might actually not be able to be there for you. It's actually healthier for them to say that to you mm-hmm. as opposed to taking it on without them saying that and then feeling resentful towards you later. Or you, or they say yes and then you like sort of be vulnerable and talk to them and they make you feel crappy because they're being passive aggressive. Right, or they that's shut, like, or yes, they shut, sure. yeah, shut you off after yeah, that, right. right? Yeah, and we don't want that to happen. So, so like, it's, it's actually very healthy to ask them and say, are you in a space for me to be able to talk about what I'm going through? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't feel like you have any of that space around you check out a therapist boom they're they are perfect for that you're perfect their job is to take all of that on absolutely um all right tips for trying to get back to the dating game post quarantine it's coming out man we see it in westchester right people walking around drinking their cocktails having some bench dates i dig it bench dates i love it or like park dates park dates nice little park date take a nice walk in the park so i would say tips trying to get back in the dating game so it it depends what you were into before if you were doing app-based dating if you were getting set up by friends if you were doing you know whatever be smart be safe but also you can go out like the nice thing about you know i mean at least in the pennsylvania area now it's like you can walk around and drink anywhere it's yes. like fucking like being in new orleans <laughs> right? I, I, we're in a totally right? different it's, place it's wild I don't know man what is happening yeah right so i would recommend like walking together if you're gonna have a drink together or if you're just you know, you know like it's, it's interesting because if you think about like 
you know, dating and like hooking up and how, um, you know, before people would have conversations about like safe sex practices, right? We're like now, we're now we yeah. have to kind of talk about like safe COVID practices, like yeah, like even it, making out. Yeah, well, it might be safer to have sex with someone without kissing than it would be to make out. You could use a dental dam. And, and here is and a perfect opportunity for your dental dams. Full circle. <laughs> and if you don't know what a dental dam is, I'm going to Don't ask me. Don't ask Jen, but I would love to give you a lesson on it. Very important because we should be taking safe sex practices either way. But it's so true, right? Like COVID is this whole other thing. It's unique. So it's going to be a slower process, which I kind of dig. I like that there's more of a courtship around it. And there's, you know what? Just as with safe sex practices, there should be communication around it, right? Like how many people are you seeing? Mm-hmm. Um, are you, How comfortable do they feel yeah. in certain instances? That do we, like, and, and do we want to do a date all outside that we're not like touching? Right. right? And like, it, it honestly, it might make you recognize who's more aligned with you Mm. with your values given that if someone's like yeah I don't wear a mask and like I see people and I don't really care and that's not something you're into there you go then that might be a sign that like maybe in general it might align with other things in the relationship right and so okay so it goes this bigger thing I got a really great question somebody asked me this week are you ready I'm ready I'm so prepared do you think relationships work with different political beliefs oh god sorry because it kind of, because mass have become political. I think it depends how much you communicate about them, right? Yeah. I think if you're bringing it into the relationship a lot, but I think, yeah, it, I think if you have different political beliefs and you're not communicating about them, it's helpful mm-hmm. in conflict avoidance, but it might cause a bit of a barrier in terms mm-hmm. of your ability to be vulnerable with one another, mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. your feelings about certain political things. Yeah. Um, I think they can work depending on how vulnerable you need to be with your partner. Yeah. Right? Like, some people can be very separate and uh, depends what you consider, like, a relationship working. Mm. Right? Like, does it need to be yeah. deeper? Do you need to have a more vulnerable connection yeah. with them? Which not everyone does. Share? Some people not have, everyone their, does. Exactly. have their platonic relationships. So I think, I think it depends on how important it is to you to be able to talk about that in your relationships. All right, all right. I can fuck with that. What do you all think right. about that? Yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty good. good. All right. Um, so yeah, so we try to get back into the dating game post-quarantine. Uh, go on with your bad self. Enjoy yourself. And talk, be communicate, safe. And, and communicate. communicate. But I think it, it is an opportunity to get to know someone on a deeper level and to take it a little bit more slowly, which See can be your helpful. values align. And you could always blame it on COVID, right? Like, you I'm not right. Listen. Yeah. And, like, that whole I, I don't kiss on the first date yeah. is probably, like... It's unique because, like, so, like, we're located in Pennsylvania where, and, and specifically, like, Philadelphia County where there's, like, a higher COVID rate. So, like, people listening that are in different areas, this might not even be a thing, right? Like, because I know right. some areas are, they don't, they're not wearing masks. They're not doing stuff. It's different here. So I think a lot of it has to do with, like, the area you're located in mm-hmm. about what those practices are. But... I mean, use it as an opportunity. Yeah, so use if your it. values align Great. and if your I like communication that. aligns. All right. Um, advice deciding between going back to university or just finding a job. Very scared. This is a hard one. It's really tough because it really depends on your situation. Yeah. And I know we say that for everything, but that's really hard. It's kind of like we talked about in the other one that like transition in general is scary. Yeah. It's it's normal for to to be anxious mm-hmm. in figuring this out. Um, and we might need to weigh the pros and cons of both. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also important to know that if you decide to do one or the other, nothing's ever set in stone, right? So if you decide like, okay, I'm going to take a year and work again, doesn't mean you can't go back to university the following year. And um, I think that too, reaching out to someone who's in the program that you're thinking about mm-hmm. joining, right? To ask them some questions before I became... Uh, a marriage and family therapist I actually connected with a marriage and family therapist when I lived in New York Mm -hmm. and I sat down with them and asked them about their job um you know ask them a bunch of questions to try to figure out if it was something so do some research yeah right I mean it's a really unique thing and a lot of it is unfortunately it depends on the financial situation you're in if you'd be able to go back to university Mm -hmm. and make that work um if it feels right for you then there are grants, there's scholarship, there's lots of different ways to do that, to do what... There might be part-time programs too. 
Absolutely. Or, right? or so, I mean, how much shit's online? Now, right? right. You can find it. Right. It might be a really good time to find programs online. Yeah. And so if it is financial, if once again, you might burn yourself out. But if it's yeah. something you really want to do, you could do part time school, part time work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it really depends on your situation. Um, and just to know you're allowed to make mistakes. Right. Some of them could be a financial burden, but you're allowed to make mistakes. It's actually important to make mistakes because then it gives you the opportunity to learn from them and then decide what you actually want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, that's it. That's it. So that's the questions. I mean, actually, so in our next two episodes, we're talking about family dynamics. We're going to talk to you and teach you a little bit about how family... Oh, oh my God. We have one more question. We're the worst. We're the worst. We're the worst. Right. Wait, it's actually our longest one. Okay. Here's a longer story. We're going to finish up with our longer story today. So, my God. It's so embarrassing. Brandon, cut that out. Okay. My best friend's husband has been diagnosed with depression and then bipolar too, but he refuses to follow through with any treatment. She's confided in me about this rough patches that sounds a lot like emotional and verbal abuse directed at her. How do I be a supportive friend in this situation? And I want to be respectful of her husband's condition, but it feels wrong to excuse his behavior that is extremely toxic and would be unacceptable in any other relationship. I think the reason why I think this is a really good question is because I think this applies to so many female like friendships and their relationships right like how many friends have you had that have been in toxic relationships oh my god i can't even i can't even get into it and so um this is the tough thing about like when you're going through something in your relationship and you confide in your friends right you're typically talking about the difficult things in the relationship and so then your friends see your partner in a pretty negative light Mm -hmm. and we always talk about how to like set a boundary around your relationship so you know it's important to vent and like talk to people and um but the tough thing is now um that you're seeing her partner in a very negative light right and you see your friend being hurt and of course you want to be protective um of that friend but the fact of the matter is this is their relationship and she they have to work on this together and there's only so much control you have over whether her partner gets help right Mm -hmm. she only has so much control over whether her partner gets help yeah um and that's something that they're going to have to work on within their relationship um but the question is right how do you be a supportive friend through this right how can you be there for your friend listen to what they're going through um offer advice but in the end know that it's something that they have to work on in their relationship. So here's what I would do. Oh, I'm ready. I think, you would be like, you know me. I know. No, I think what I would say is, listen, I, I don't, um, I know he's struggling and I know you love him and I'm worried about you, but also I'm going to support you no matter what you do, whether yes. you stay or leave. But I'm wondering, could we make a plan if it gets bad? Well, if, could, it's, if it's that abusive. Could we make a safety plan um, where if you felt like he wasn't taking care of himself or was getting too much and you could call me and we could have a safe word or like, you know, you come here or like whatever. Like you can always come up with a plan with someone because sometimes somebody having a plan knowing it gives them some space to breathe to think about maybe there is a different world I can live in. I think the tough thing too is that when when people come and talk about like difficult things in their relationships, we tend to feel so protective over them. Of course. That we get, you love this person. You love them. friends. But of the, course. I think the tough thing that we do sometimes is that we get angry at them if they like don't stay. get out or if they stay. And what that does is further isolates them from people in their that life and just pushes them more into this possibly abusive relationships and so so even though you're protective resist the urge to get angry with them and to say that i support you no matter what you do yeah um listen when we're talking about abuse we talk about all the reasons why somebody didn't leave but sometimes we forget the reasons of why they stay right right like maybe growing up she had to take care of people in her life and she's a natural caretaker that's what she's trained to do this best friend of yours right she sounds like you love her and you care for your friend so much. And I can't imagine what it's like watching your best friend go through something so unhealthy. So every part of you is going to want to protect her and mm-hmm. take care of her. 
But unfortunately, that's not necessarily our jobs. Our job is to love someone as they grow and heal themselves. Yes. And to encourage her, if yeah. she needs it, to get her own therapy. Which, which, which can, could be part of the plan. Which right? could so be like, part of the plan, exactly. And um, that a therapist can help to her figure some of that stuff out, right? That it's it's not your responsibility to take all of that on, but to be there for your friend. Um, and I think coming up with a plan is a great idea. Yeah. That's it, guys. Now that's actually it. Now that's it. So I, I would just say, um, I don't know, my heart really hurts for this person. Me too. Right? That's so hard to see somebody struggle when you love them so much. So, like, all of us have seen. I mean, some of us see it with our partners. You know, like, let's say your spouse or partner has like a bad family life you want to take care of them you want to protect them you want to be angry at that person but the anger doesn't necessarily help yes empathy love and compassion helps and saves and it heals all god some hippie ass shit all right that's it fuck it now and now we're back in the 70s and that's it that's for june's (laughs) q a the next few episodes are about family dynamics we got so so many questions the most we've ever had right so i think we're family we're trying to get through like at least 30 of them but i don't know so we want to talk to you about some of the theories we we had this new belief we had a conversation this morning about like the importance of psychoeducation and sharing that with you all because we there is a thing about in our field that there has been a lack of balance and a, a holding on to power by holding people from psychoeducation. So we're going to teach you guys a little bit about what we know. That's why we think this podcast is so yeah. helpful um, for you guys to really understand our thought process. Yes. I even say that in session mm-hmm. that I will say out loud, this is what I'm thinking. Yes. So like, so we're going to teach you all a little bit about some of the different theories on family dynamics, how we look at stuff. We'll talk about birth order. We'll talk about um, how to handle certain things, how to handle the difficulty of siblings or family dynamics. Might give you some insight into how you grew up and how things might be affecting you now. Absolutely. So until then, take care of yourself. Stay Thanks safe. Thanks for listening. Bye, everyone. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelore. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. Warning though, there will be no surface level conversations here. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image after trying to check all those be healthy boxes. I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. I truly believe how you feel on the inside reflects out into every aspect of your life. So if you're ready to go below skin deep to tap into a whole other level of wellness, you're in the right place. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks.